Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Glad Tidings, the Athletics Everton Football Club podcast. It's me, Greg O'Keefe, and I'm joined by my colleague and fellow Everton correspondent, Patty Boyland. And there is, as usual, plenty to talk about. Not least Everton's general meeting over Zoom, the FA Cup and the January transfer window. But let's start at the top with the future of the club's director of football, which uh, was one of the things left unsaid at the uh, general meeting last week. Uh, shareholders were, were given all sorts of presentations and the chance to ask questions of the board, but that was left hanging in the air. We did a piece about it earlier in the week on the site. Um, I wrote a column talking about why I feel it would be wise to at least make a decision sooner rather than later. And my view is that um, I think that he should be allowed to continue the work that he's uh, that he's he's, he's done. Um, increasingly well at over the last three years. Not perfect, but certainly uh, on the right track. Pad, what what do you make of this sort of lame duck situation that, that Marcel Rand is, is entering? He's out of contract now on the end of May, on the 31st of May. The first thing to say, obviously, with Marcel Brands is that you'd like a resolution one way or the other as soon as possible. Um, we were, when we asked the question, Late last year, we were told that the club were relaxed and that they were looking to resolve it in the new year. And you'd have probably expected at that point some kind of indication either way come the general meeting, by the time of the general meeting. Mm. And that, that's been and gone now, as we know. Marcel Brands did speak at the general meeting, but not about his future, as you as you pointed out. A range of other things. I think I thought he spoke quite well, quite impressively. But we're now nearing a point where I think it becomes... A topic of discussion, an increasing topic for discussion um, with supporters and with everybody else, and will that will be the case now for the next couple of months? So it does need to be resolved soon. Um, it's not an ordinary situation, as we pointed out before. Not only is he director of football, but he also sits on the board. So um, contracts and stuff they, they work slightly differently in that regard. But what we need now, and I thought one of the telling things from the general meeting was brands highlighting how how quickly negotiations started last year for players for the summer market so he he effectively detailed how in february march everton was speaking to agents sounding out players potentially of interest for for the summer and we're not far away from that that period this time around we we, we know that there's going to be a lot of work in the summer window there is still a number a good number of areas that everton need to improve on if they're going to be regular top four contenders in in my opinion and the uncertainty over the director Mm. of football i think is not ideal in that regard so you want some kind of clarity you want some kind of thought process for where you're going so so yeah let's hope that's resolved soon at the moment the ball as as we know and as you you detailed in your piece that the the ball is still very much in everton's court yeah to get those terms across and to to hammer out a deal and then 
I guess the only other thing is whether supporters feel it's justified in, in a new contract, whether Everton and whether supporters feel it's justified. I, I personally feel that he's done an above-average job in the circumstances. He did, again, detailed in the general meeting that 70 players have left since he came in in the, yeah. in the summer of, of 2018, I think it was. A massive, massive number, and he's inherited, let's be honest, what he inherited squad-wise was a mess, kind of a hodgepodge of three, four different managers, even players going back to the Moyes era, Martinez, Koeman, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, Allardyce's signings too. A bloated squad with players on the fringes, on the periphery. They've made progress in that regard. I think while some will judge him purely on signings, and I think he should be judged to an extent on signings, he's obviously a director of football. And what that means is he ha- he, he looks at all aspects of the football club. He liaises with the manager. He liaises with the head of recruitment who's Greta Steinson, who you know, obviously Marcel Brands appointed. He liaises with the rest of the recruitment team, but he also does a lot of work with the academy. It's about trying to get a through flow throughout the club to, to make sure that there's a better pathway between the under-16s, under-18s, and even lower and the first team. So it, it, sometimes I, f- I, f- I find that there's a simplification in some quarters mm. of his role. Yeah, It's quite widespread. It's, it's a big job. And... Um, at this stage, at this juncture, there's still lots of work still to do. That that tells you how, what he inherited and, and yeah. kind of in, in effect some of the mixed success he's had. But I, I do think it's broadly positive. I do think it's more positive than negative. And I actually think we'll look back on the summer window as one of the best in quite a while for Everton. So it, things, things do appear to be moving in the right direction. While we've not got an update at this moment in time, while we weren't able to hear one and we weren't ourselves able to get one, I would hope that in the coming months we, that there started to be progress in some form on that and that Everton kind of lay out their plans for the future and on the table for everyone to see. I think one, one thing's certain is that he wants to stay. I don't think the issue is, is Marcel Brands delaying yeah. the process or trying to court any other clubs. I don't think um, that there's anybody imminently lined up to come in and replace him. Uh, I know I've seen articles speculating that Ali Dai, the former Bayern Munich striker, might be set to come to the club in some capacity. But if, and I stress if, very, very tenuously that he's, he's going to be in any way linked with Everton, I would be flabbergasted if that was his director of football. So I would delay any any sort of suspicions of that. Um, but ultimately it comes down to Farhad Mashiri and it's Farhad Mashiri's decision. Uh, whatever the actual process, hierarchical process of the board voting on it. I think we all know that Mashiri calls the shots as the majority investor slash owner. My only concern, or the only thing I would say is that the longer it goes unagreed, there's a strand of logic that dictates are they just planning to uh, to to part ways or are Everton planning to, to not renew? Because if you're going to renew, you'd do it sooner or later. Perhaps if you weren't, you might just leave it till the end of May and and, and say farewell then because you know from a very sort of uh, cruel if you like way why would Everton say that they were thinking of, of doing something else before then what I would say is that it was detailed again in the general meeting last week that Brands has over kind of overhauled and performed the restructuring of the whole recruitment operation he, he says up to 50% of staff cut effectively I think it would be pretty strange to allow him to do that process and follow it through only for them to be be part of that restructuring if that makes sense. So it doesn't it doesn't seem to me as though 
that would be a logical thing to do in the circumstances. We know that there's still a lot of work to be done with this project. Yeah. We know that in many ways, you look around Europe at some of the main and the most kind of decorated, the most renowned directors of football, and you think about people like Monchi. But Marcel Brands comes into that discussion as well. He was one of those guys that Everton kind of fought tooth and nail to get. He came with this fantastic reputation. And yeah, it, it's been it's been mixed. There's been, there have been some failures. There have been some successes as well. I would say more successes than failures if we're being fair to him. But I just I just don't see why they would allow him to to effectively undergo in the last six months this big restructuring of the re- the recruitment team, which really it's that's his baby. He's been the one that's that, that that's made those changes. He's been the one that that's that's overhauled the network. Part of that's been to do with COVID and the restrictions around attending live games, but part of it, is, as we know, is, has just been purely to do with the fact that Brexit's going to make things tougher to get players of a certain age in from Europe and any players, let's be honest, in from Europe. So it doesn't add up in that regard then if Everton were just to say at the end of the season, well, no, thanks for thanks for doing all of this work for us. Thanks for putting this new recruitment structure in place effectively, but um, pack your bags and, and thanks for your work, but it's time for us to move on. I, I don't know who they would bring in that would be able to, with the reputation of brands, that would be able to do a similar job. And maybe some people scream Monchi at the at the at the <laughs> screen, at the device, wherever they're listening. But he, he's one of a very small number of people that have the same kind of reputation as Marcel. I, I don't know what you think. That That's just my thought on, on him personally and, and maybe the job he's done. Absolutely. And, and I think... Um... It was interesting that what Brands did say at the general meeting, in terms of the January window, at least the most immediate concern of his is that he he played down talk of, of lots of incomings or, or or in fact any incomings really. He was um, he was saying that as usual the focus, which is consistently his message to be fair, focuses on getting players out, um, and that he didn't think that there'd be much if if any coming in the other way. I think. As ever, you need to read between the lines a little bit and take that with to a degree with a pinch of salt because I feel that is obviously the focus. And then there's continuing talk about Bernard and Roma and uh, maybe moving to clubs in, in, in the United Arab Emirates. And there's obviously speculation about whether they can find a club for Cenk Tosin and even, dare I say, Yannick Balassi. But I still wouldn't rule out Everton if the opportunity comes up bringing somebody in. And uh, we, you know, mm. you said in in your piece uh, that you did about the sort of stick and twist, really, which kind of ties quite nicely. That it's important that they do if they want to capitalise on the the random nature of this season in terms of a top four finish. Do you think Brands was just uh, passing his words a little bit there, being careful with that, rather than actually ruling out anything coming in, coming in? Well, we, what we know about Marcel Brands and, and to be fair, other people at the club is that they they don't want the transfer business to be done in public. They don't want things to be leaked early. I think there was a, quite a bit of disappointment when the Yerry Mina transfer story came out early and that led to other clubs entering the race. I think there was almost a feeling that Everton had had to pay a little bit more, a little bit, let's not say over the odds, but more money than originally they'd envisaged mm. for Mina because of how early that story got out. And the focus since has been 
on limiting the stories, limiting the the, the the transfer news about Everton incoming. So I think it, it it's highly unlikely that he would have ever outlined a strategy to sign two or three players in the general meeting. And I don't think he'd have given those players or even positions away, if we're being honest. But what he said does more or less tie with the consistent message throughout. And it does tie with the logic of the summer where they made the big signings. They brought in Ducore, Alan and Hamas Rodriguez. And they were considered the three positions they wanted to strengthen. Two midfielders and and one kind of creative attacking midfielder that could play off the right. And it was only then when Holgate and Branthwaite, to an extent, got injured, that they decided that they did want to bring in a centre-back. So spending that money on Ben Godfrey then has a knock-on effect, doesn't it? It means that you can't necessarily go and spend that £20 million initially, the, the, the fee for Godfrey. Godfrey, it doesn't. you can't then go and spend that in January, even if you'd want to. And we, and we know Brands does not particularly like January since he arrived at Everton. He's only brought in Jared, Jared Branthwaite. So I think there's kind of a feeling that Everton, that they do the majority. They always do the bulk of their business in terms of incomings, in terms of recruitment in the summer. That said, and I, I did allude to this in the piece. There was a caveat in the general meeting, wasn't there? And the, the caveat came in the questions where it was like, we always, we're always on the lookout for players. Uh, even though we're not currently, and currently being the operative word, in, envisaging significant incomings or or any incomings during the during the window, so what we have to be careful of, and I feel like a bit of a, a broken record in this this regard. What I think we have to be a little bit careful of is just the lack of depth in some areas, and you look at centre forward, particularly with Ellis Sims going on loan to to Blackpool and certain other positions on the pitch. Maybe right back if push comes to shove, although I think that that's probably a, a job for the for the summer. But particularly from Calvert-Lewin, there's a huge onus on him. If he gets injured, it's Richarlison next, and then Jenk Tosin. And Jenk Tosin is somebody that, that they allowed to leave last January to go to Palace. He's been somebody that's previously been considered expendable. So the options are kind of few and far between in there. Even if you shift Richarlison inside... You're going to create an issue on the left. Who who adds that level of that same level of dynamism as Richarlison on the left uh, left hand side? Considering you, you've already got a Wobie on the right, I, I just feel if something would happen to Calvert Lewin, Everton would not be in a good situation. He, he he's the main goal scorer. He's the one that is on the end of the chances time and time yeah. again. And it's that depth in a season in which games are coming thick and fast. Everton are going to have to play catch up. They're, they're, they've only played 17 games, others have played 19, and this is a jam-packed season already. So what we're going to need in the main, I think, is going to need a squad fit to play two, potentially three games in the space of seven, eight days. And I think that's the slight concern. It's, it's what happens, Everton are good at the moment. They look like a side that can compete for those European places when everybody is fit. But what happens when you scratch a little bit below the surface? What happens if you were to take out Hammers for a couple of months or or Calvert-Lewin, would they be able to call on the same quality of replacement as Manchester United? Or Chelsea, even Chelsea aren't having a great season, but they've they've got like Hudson-Odoi and Abraham and Giroud on the bench, considerable players, and the same in defence, the same level of depth. So mm. I, I just feel as though there's a chance here for all sides, Everton included, there's a chance in this weird season to push on beyond maybe where the expectation was 
And while Everton targeted the Europa League initially, that was the that was the ambition along with silverware this season. I actually think there's if if they were to if they were to recruit well, let's say they were to bring in somebody to supplement their options up front and they were to keep people fit people fit, this would be their best chance of the Champions League since Fahad Mashiri came in. So mm. that that's what I mean. Do, do you roll the dice? Can you afford to roll the dice? I guess that's up for debate unless they shift players on. Yeah. Can they afford not to roll the dice given the opportunity that presents itself? I mean, that that's where, I guess, Carlo Ancelotti, Farhan Mashiri and Marcel Brands in particular earn their corn. They're the ones Absolutely. that have to make those decisions. Yeah. But I'd still expect the bulk of the business to take place over the summer. And I think if one thing Farhan Mashiri has proven in the past is that you know he, he does roll the dice when he can. I don't think there's anyone you can never accuse him of uh, of resting on his laurels. He, he always puts his hand in his pocket when he can. We saw so. it with Godfrey, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if someone becomes available and it's the right deal for the club, he'll he'll do it, won't he? Yeah, yeah. So I th- I think that's th- that's the thing to to bear in mind. But I think we've just got to be always aware of the fact, increasingly aware of the fact that football's not out of the woods with the pandemic just yet. Clubs are, are still losing an awful lot of money. Everton lost an awful lot of money, and and I know sometimes fans say things like, oh, "It's and it's not our money." I don't want to see, I don't want to see them penny pinching and blah de blah de blah. But this yeah. is about the the long term health of the football club as well, and making sure that clubs make it through pandemics and you know, lower down the pyramid. You've seen clubs go out of business. I don't think Everton were ever ever going to be at risk of something like that. No, but it, it does show that these are tough times and. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, even in, in the general meeting, it was outlined by a number of people, including Sasha Ryzantsev on the board and also Denise Barrett-Baxendale, the extent to which transfer markets have been saturated and the extent to which players that clubs have tried to shift have, have ended up staying and kind of clogging up the market, spending down in some leagues. I think it was 70% in Spain and around 50% in, in Germany. And these are main markets for Everton, the main markets for Premier League clubs trying to sell players. If you can't shift those players, you make it much harder for yourself in terms of FFP to to then go and spend the money you want. And bear in mind, Everton have already spent mm. that extra £20 million on, on Ben Godfrey effectively. So it's tough. <laughs> yeah. It's tough that there's still a lot of work to do. They, they spoke about wanting a squad ideally a 23-24. They consider the squad at the moment to be 27 in terms of numbers. But in that group, you're not even including Yannick Balassi, Mohamed Besic, Matty Pennington, who's currently on loan at Shrewsbury, but still con- contracted to Everton, I think until the end of the season, and a number of others. So it, 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 in, in reality, it's a squad of over 30 people that needs to be cut. And then there are people in the squad who sit on the bench that get paid a lot of money as well. So yeah. um, again, it goes back to Marcel Brands' job, which is going to be about trimming the squad, creating the wiggle room to do business. Maybe you can't do that business like you would kind of want to in January. Um, maybe it will take until the summer for a few more to go and for, for a bit of space to clear up, not only on the wage bill, but in the squad itself. Let's see. Let's see. It's a little bit more fluid, I think, than he outlined right at the start of the general meeting. Um, but still not a market that he particularly enjoys 
even at the best of times. And, and like I say, Jared Branthwaite's the one bit of business, very good bit of business, but a younger player that came in from the lower leagues. That That's kind of been Everton's policy over the last couple of years or more, hasn't it? It, it has. And of course, Jared Branthwaite and Alice Sims are two um, people who've, who've gone, so certainly on loan anyway, for the short term, the other way um, to, to continue their development. I know there might have been one or two raised eyebrows, but... The way I see it, I think that makes sense for both of them. I don't think um, Ellis was viewed as ready to, although he was on the bench at Sheffield United, I think that was of necessity. I don't think he's viewed as ready to break through. He needs competitive sort of um, proper league football, if you like. And um, and Jared Branthwaite looked ready uh, to, to be part of a, you know, a Premier League squad really earlier in the season, but nevertheless, the game was necessity. And I think he'll definitely benefit from playing uh, at Black Blackburn's level and, and from you know being involved and sort of getting consistent, hopefully getting consistent minutes, and they'll come back stronger players in the summer. Um, they would possibly, ironically, possibly have been involved at the weekend when we we welcome Sheffield Wednesday at the ungodly hour of eight o'clock on Sunday <laughs> for for the fourth round of the FA Cup. Um, I say they'd have been involved. They they may may have been on the bench, but I still maintain that I would have. I hope that we we put out a, a reasonably strong team against uh, against Wednesday. Certainly, you know we, we we looked against another South Yorkshire club with Goodison. We looked like we did that when um, Rotherham ran us far too close for comfort. So I'd want I'd want the same. I still don't think it's time to be uh, taking this. I mean, especially with the lack of game time. If it goes ahead. I think we need to really go for it. What about you? Yeah, it, it, I, th- I think it's about getting priorities in order here. Everton will play against Sheffield Wednesday on the Sunday, but then they've got a game in midweek against Leicester and they've got a match against Newcastle on the Saturday. So it's three three games over the course of six or seven days. That is going to stretch the squad and you will have to rotate. Let's hope they go through. Like you say, it's, it is a really weird hour for for a game of football I, I think it's kind of David Attenborough time um so maybe we're competing maybe BT Sport are competing they're, they're the broadcasters in the UK maybe they're competing with with David Attenborough for for people's attention in that kind of eight eight nine o'clock slot on a on a Sunday evening in in the UK um but it, it it's it's the start or even the continuation if you want to call it that of a busy run of of fixtures for Everton they will need to rotate I think Ducore, he'll be suspended for the Leicester game now, um, back for Newcastle because he serves a one-game suspension for picking up five yellows. He'll Because he misses Leicester, I think it's more likely you see somebody like him against Rotherham, potentially, unless they want to give him an extra rest. Um, Anthony Gordon, he's been speaking to, to the Everton channel this week, so you'd assume he'd be around the, the picture like he was against, against Rotherham. And I, I thought he did really well, actually. Um, mm. At the start of the game, lovely, lovely turn, almost on a sixpence to to get round the defender, and then a, a threaded through ball that Tosin finished well. They could just do with a few more options, and uh, that's that's kind of a recurring theme in this podcast. They could just do with a little more options up front uh, in certain areas to alleviate pressure on regular starters. Um, Calvert Lewin. Obviously, he's he's got a hamstring injury at present, and we're still waiting to hear if he'll be available over the next week. Without him, you're relying on Tosin probably 
a bit of Richarlison to lead the line. So the, the fact that Sims has gone now, I think is a good thing for Sims in the long term. He needs to go out and play minutes, men's football, if you want to call it that. Yeah. And and kind of learn a bit more of his trade, stuff that you can't learn in the Premier League too. But maybe he would have been around the bench like he was against um, Rotherham in the FA Cup. Branthwaite, a little bit different. They're, they're, they're kind of well-stocked at centre-half, as we know, Everton. You might give Ben Godfrey time there, given that he's not had much of a chance to play in his preferred position of centre-back. But there are other areas that you look at and just think Everton are a little bit weak. So I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how Ancelotti handles this period. There will need to be some rotation and I don't think they can afford to sacrifice the cup. I'd be really disappointed if they if they sacrifice the cup in this in this run. Because as ever, I think as we, we've been at pains to point out now, it's a long time since Everton have won anything and they need to get back into that habit. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. There's uh, plenty more on that on the site. Speaking of the site, we've got a really a really interesting piece that, that you're, you've been working on today that will be up tomorrow, that's Friday. Tell us a bit more about what you've been working on today, Pat. Yeah, so I, I kind of looked at the summer's recruitment 
and sparked by Marcel Brands taking us through the process and what we knew already of the situation. And I, in my head, I was I was thinking back to it the other night and I just felt as though it was one of the best windows Everton have had for, for quite a while. They spoke about identifying the need for a number of different targets, three targets, so a, a winger, as we mentioned earlier, or, or an attacking midfielder, a creator, somebody who could add goals in some form to the side. That was James. They got him in. He's been really good in the main when he's been fit. And then the two guys in midfield, Alan and Andu Kore. Godfrey came in later, as we've detailed. And I think that constitutes a, a successful window for Everton. It certainly helped them go from one of the contributing factors in helping them go from 12th, really disappointing league finish last season, to where they are now, which is, let's be honest, right bang in in the, in the mix for, for those European spots. And if they win the games in hand, they could go up to third, I think, in the table. So it was it was a look with, with, with some of our data guys at what those players who came in over the summer have brought. Their numbers, Alan, particularly impressive with some of his, just right up there across the Premier League for some of his defensive actions and what he's been doing. James, as you'd imagine, right up there in terms of his creativity, not just at Everton, he leads the way in just about every metric you could think of, but uh, also in the Premier League, he like one one of the most creative guys with with Bruno Fernandez, Kevin De Bruyne, and Jack Grealish, Ducore, who as we know has been a bit of a jack of all trades, but I think he was a really astute purchase and one that Everton have needed for a while. And then ov- obviously Godfrey as well. So it's it's a look at those four players in more detail, what they've brought, how they've improved Everton, some of the narratives and some of the stories around how they signed. So Godfrey coming in. At the end of the window, after a couple of um, after a couple of relatively serious injuries to to Holgate and and to Branthwaite, a couple of thwarted attempts earlier in the in the window yeah. for for various other players. Those kinds of stories. So hopefully it'll be a nice kind of look back at at the summer recruitment and and how they have managed to push Brands and Co have managed to to push Everton on upbeat. Uh, nice nice look at. Everton going in the right direction and we, yeah. we haven't always been able to say that so I, I do I do enjoy writing stuff like that but I think one of the interesting things for me and I think this is something that you will touch upon in the coming days on the site is also the extent to which the new players have come in and improved things but we've also seen a marked improvement as well from some of the players that were already at the club so Michael Keane mm, absolutely he's the, the in, key example isn't he Michael Keane, an absolute pillar in defence. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, as we know, another real season of growth for him. Alex Awobi, who we've written about, having um, a much better season yeah, by all accounts. Part, absolutely, yeah. But one of those slightly unheralded names has been Yerry Mina. I think Keane, and Calvert-Lewin and even Awobi have had loads of plaudits. But for my money now, we've had probably a couple of really solid months from, from Yerry Mina in in an Everton jersey, forging a partnership with with Michael Keane that we probably didn't expect to be as balanced as as it has been. So, I mean, first of all, what have you made of of his form, Greg? Um, I mean, he's, he's he's certainly an interesting personality as well, and a really popular figure in the squad. What what have you made of of, of his form and, and how he's how he's bedded in? Well, I think yeah, you're right. I think other players have kind of overshadowed his improvements and understandably as well 
and possibly he had the well, no, I was going to say he had the biggest. There was the biggest gap, but I'd, I would say it would. We would probably tick that that box to be fair. But it, anyway, he was certainly someone you looked at and thought, mm, is it a hit or a miss? Is he going to be one that's going to be consistently in the team? You know, it, or do we just need to wait till we get, can get someone better? But I'd suggest as Keane's flourished this season, um, part of that has been the partnership with Yerry Mina. And obviously it, it takes two to tango and to make a solid partnership. And I think Mina's bit more than played his part. Um, so I've been looking at the stats behind that and I've been speaking to people who know Yerry and um, getting an insight into his growing adjustment to living in England and, and, and being part of, uh, of Everton. And he's so popular at Finch Farm. That's the the one absolute sentiment. He's really, you know, the, you need players he, like that, don't you? I, you do. I think you need you a do. few of them just to kind of. He, he, he is serious when it comes to football. He's really serious, and we've seen that ourselves when we've when we've interviewed him and we've spoken to him in in mixed zones. But you also see that he brings a little bit of of kind of light hearted stuff to the the table as well, and, and increasingly popular helps players bed in. I I, I probably think he, I'd, I'd say he's been really pivotal with Hammers and Hammers settling as well. So maybe maybe he's increasingly important. That's that's the way it feels to me. I think I think he's more than more than playing playing a, a key role in, in set pieces, you know, as he's always done at both ends. But I think where he's he's impressive is there's less individual errors. He's getting less exposed with players, teams getting in behind him. Um, and I think that's probably part of the work that Anshotti's done with the defence as a whole and as part of his own improvements and, and, you know, part of his own personal development in terms of his English and his command of the language and his ability to, you know, to, to follow instructions on the pitch in, in, in his, his second language. So, yeah, look out for that piece on the site as well. Well, um, plenty plenty coming, and I hope you've enjoyed this uh, this podcast. We will be back, as usual, next week, hopefully to discuss progress further in the FA Cup and maybe even a bit of traction in the window. So thanks very much for listening, and we'll be back soon. Before I go, just need to let you know, of course, that, as ever, there's a really good offer throughout January and you can subscribe to Athletic for a special price. You can get all our great analysis and the, the in-depth features like the ones we've just been discussing from me and Paddy and all the very best football writers around on everything the Premier League, all the big European leagues, uh, football over in the States, all the American sports, MMA, the lot, as well as ad-free versions of all our podcasts for less than a quid a week. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Everton pod to sign and enjoy sign up sorry and enjoy the athletic throughout 2021 that's theathletic.com forward slash everton pod the athletic